welcome to episode number six of What Next, a storytelling podcast where you, the listener, get a say in what happens next in the story. My name is Jake Stoll, author of the novel The Gauntlet, and I want to thank all of you for listening. In this podcast, I write and read out chapters for a fiction story. At the end of each chapter, I present a choice to the listeners, and for just a couple days, you have the opportunity to vote on what will happen next in the story. If you haven't listened to the first five episodes yet, I strongly recommend you start at the first one, since you'll be pretty lost otherwise. That goes doubly for this episode. If you start here, be warned that you'll be getting some pretty big spoilers for the first five episodes. I also wanted to apologize for putting this episode up a week late. This episode took a bit more work than the others, and we ran into some technical difficulties, and I wanted to make sure it was done right. As you may recall, at the end of the fifth episode, I asked you how Ariana would try to rescue her friend Bram. Would she go it alone, or would she take Jalencio's advice and ask the wizard Vestuli for his help? Let's see what happens next. Chapter 6 Ariana shoves the limping man out of her way, wincing to herself as he falls over. She pushes past the next person more gently, apologizing as she does. Crossing the road leading into Pink Beach would normally take just a few moments, but with the sea of refugees and soldiers pouring out of the little vacation town, Ariana feels like she is swimming upstream in a mighty river. Her loyal foxhound, Jax, sits obediently on the other side of the road, wagging his tail eagerly. The red-robed wizard, Jalencio, has already crossed the road and is making his way up a nearby hill. A brief thought crosses Ariana's mind. To the fleeing Losalian army and Pink Beach refugees, Jalencio must look like a cowardly traitor. Ariana, Bram, and Jalencio had been unceremoniously tossed into a major battle earlier that day by Losalia's Princess Castine. They chose to ask her for help on their quest, and she responded by asking for their help in the battle first. As Ariana trudges up the hill after Jalencio, she reflects on the battle for a moment. It felt like a series of the scariest moments of her life. Yes, she has been in the presence of witches, ogres, and yetis, but never has she been surrounded by so much violence and death. The worst part had been seeing Bram in the front of the fighting, and the knowledge that she was powerless to do anything to help him. The invasion of Pink Beach had been an utter rout. Princess Castine's army hadn't stood a chance. Ariana knows that this is just the beginning of a large-scale conflict. Alave has invaded Losalia after 300 years of peace, and now they've taken Bram prisoner, or so Jalencio says. For all Ariana knows, Bram could be wounded, bleeding out in a crude cell, all alone. She tries not to think about it. She has to save him. In fact, Ariana had been close to deciding that she would sneak back into Pink Beach on her own to attempt a jailbreak, but she knows that following Jalencio and asking for Vestuli's help is the wiser course of action. When Ariana is close enough to Jalencio to call out without needing to scream, she says, Jalencio, wait. Ariana pants and catches her breath. Her dog stops beside her and barks. The wizard stops, but does not turn around. You were right, she says, between pants. You were right about seeing Vestuli first. We should have listened to you. We never should have become involved in the war. I'm sorry that I didn't listen. Jalencio, still facing away from Ariana, sighs deeply before turning around. Ariana immediately notices that his eyes are red. The wizard wipes his cheeks with his wide sleeve before saying, Come, my dear, I forgive you. Ariana walks up to Jalencio and throws her arms around his neck hugging him tightly. Jalencio returns her embrace. The two of them stand there for some time, hugging and crying, wordlessly consoling each other. 
Jalencio pats Ariana on the back and takes a step away. He takes a deep breath and says, in his usual cheery voice, Now, let us stop wasting our time. Bastuli's tower is two miles in this direction. If we hurry, we can reach him before nightfall. Ariana nods and wipes away the tears on her own cheeks. Together, the wizard and the archer head for Vestuli's tower. Right now, the tower is silhouetted against the ocean in the foggy twilight. The pair marches toward it for some time, sure to give Pink Beach a wide berth in order to avoid Oave's scouts. After the first mile, Ariana asks, Do you think Vestuli will still be in his tower? Wouldn't he have fled once the fighting started? Jalencio shakes his bearded head. No, I don't believe he would. Vestuli is usually careful to remain neutral in international conflicts. Likewise, he is not one to be trifled with, and I'm sure that many of Oave's wizards would know his name and reputation. In fact, I'd bet that several of them studied under him at Losalia's Magic Academy, where Vestuli is the head professor of high magic. High magic? Ariana asks. A discussion for another time, Jalencio says. I'll summarize by saying it's very advanced stuff. I see, says Ariana, though in reality she feels as confused as ever after talking about magic. The pair walks on, briefly discussing the fates of Bram and Galfons. Jalencio informs Ariana that he saw Bram being led away in chains by a pair of Awave's warriors. Ariana again describes the chimera that attacked the inn Galfons and Jax had been inside. She confides in Jalencio that she is confused about why her loyal dog would have left the side of a friend in need. They decide to hold out hope that Galfon somehow made it out of the inn alive. As the moon begins to rise behind them, Ariana and Jalencio see the entrance to Vestuli's tower. The tower itself is quite tall, the tallest building Ariana has ever seen by far. Ariana counts five stories. The first story has large, double wooden doors that stand closed. Ariana and Jalencio step onto a narrow, stone path that winds up the hill toward the tower's front door. Between them and the door is a wide, flat area, paved with the same gray stones as the path. The flat area is square, and roughly 20 meters across. In several places, the remnants of a low stone wall still stand, so that Ariana realizes the area was once a courtyard. An odd-looking, human-sized statue blocks their path from the courtyard to the door. Jack sniffs around the courtyard intently, as though smelling a certain scent for the first time. The statue is of a woman with a beautiful face, wearing a dress that appears to be frozen in time when it was blowing in the wind. The expression on her face is vague, but it gives Ariana the impression that the woman might have been sad, or perhaps frightened. Jack starts to lift his leg on the statue, but Ariana calls him back. Gingerly, Ariana and Jalencio make to step around the statue, but they hear a soft voice say, Halt! Jalencio and Ariana stop walking and look around for whoever spoke to them. They do not need to wonder long, however, because the next moment a translucent mist begins to seep from the statue. Ariana reflexively steps back and draws her bow. She's met enough monsters during this adventure to know that she needs to be ready to fight at a moment's notice. The mist, which has an eerie green tinge to it, promptly forms into the same figure as the statue. The ghostly woman looks toward Ariana and Jalencia with the same vague expression as the statue, and says, Halt, you who wish to enter this tower must first answer my question. Jax barks at the ghostly figure, but Ariana puts a hand on his head to calm him. She looks at Jalencio questioningly, who shrugs and says, This kind of thing is pretty standard for wizard towers. 
Then, Julencio addresses the ghost. Speak your question, dear Spectre, that we may enter. The ghostly woman looks at Julencio and says, Only a master of the arcane may enter the dwelling of Vestuli the Wise. To enter, one must first answer this question. What is magic? Julencio puts a hand to his chin, as though pondering the answer. Ariana looks at the wizard and says, This one is all you. Still with his hand on his chin, Jalencio says, I fear that there may be a price to pay if our answer is wrong. Besides, the answer to this question may be more akin to the answer of a riddle. In other words, this is no simple question. Ariana sits on the nearby remnants of a wall and says, Take all the time you need. After another minute of thinking, Jalencio seems to decide. Thoughtfully, he says, I have an idea. Spectre, magic is power from another world. The ghost's expression does not change. It says, Only a master of the arcane may enter. False mages are as serpents. The next moment, there is a crackle and a green flash in the center of the courtyard. Ariana hears a hiss and sees a long snake coiled around itself. It begins to shake a rattle at the end of its tail. Ariana stands, uncertain of what to do. Normally, if she crossed paths with a rattlesnake, she would simply go around it. Jax growls at the snake, but Ariana holds him back. What do we do? Ariana asks. Jalencio sighs. I answered falsely. Therefore, we must destroy this serpent before I can try again. Before Jalencio has uttered his last word, an arrow has pierced the rattlesnake between the eyes. The snake's body is promptly burned away by green fire. All right, Ariana says. Give it another try. Jalencio nods and sits down to think. The ghost watches him with its vague expression. Ariana watches him too. Another arrow knocked and ready in case the ghost decides to summon another serpent. She worries that there might be some kind of time limit on Jalencio's answers, or that the ghost might just get bored. Eventually, Jalencio looks at Ariana and says, I have another answer. Be ready for the next serpent. Ariana nods and angles her body toward the center of the former courtyard. Jalencio says, Spectre, magic is a force that sustains life. The ghost looks blankly at Jalencio and says, only a master of the arcane may enter. False mages are as serpents. Jalencia whirls around and forms a fireball in his hand. Again, there is a crackle and a green flash in the center of the square. This time, though, Ariana sees a thick-bodied, serpent-like creature with shimmering purplish-black body and a wide red fin on its head. Ariana fires an arrow, even as Jalencio exclaims, A draken! Be careful, my dear! This bit of deadly venom that melts flesh! Ariana's arrow pierces into the draken's neck as Ariana asks, Did you say dragon? No, no, this is different. A draken is far smaller and less powerful, but they are still very dangerous. Get out of the way! The draken, hardly phased by Ariana's arrow, slithers toward Jalencio. It stands roughly three feet off the ground, and its fin gives it another foot of height. The draken spits, sending a thin stream of purple fluid at the wizard. Jalencio raises a hand and the earth before him rises to form a six-foot-tall shield. The purple venom burns a few inches into the earth before dripping down. Ariana tells Jax to stay, then she shoots another arrow. This one plunges into the draken's left eye. The serpent hisses and arches back, falling to the ground before standing and spewing venom in all directions. Jalencio raises another earthen shield in front of Ariana and Jax. As soon as the spewing stops... Ariana pops from cover quickly and puts another arrow into the draken's head. 
Jalencio sends a stream of frosty magic from his hand, which freezes the base of the draken to the ground. After Ariana puts yet another arrow into the monster's head, it finally stops squirming. Again, the serpent is engulfed in green flames. The same happens to the residual draken venom, which covers much of the square's ground. When all traces of the second serpent are gone, Jalencio, Ariana, and Jax reconvene near the ghost. Jalencio sighs and says, That was very bad. It appears that the serpents will become more deadly with each wrong answer. More deadly? Ariana asks. What serpent could be more deadly than a big, poison-spitting snake monster? Trust me, my dear. Things can get much worse. So what do we do now? Jalencio's eyes narrow. We have to give the right answer. Speaking to Vestuli is essential if we want to free Bram, and I am certain the door will be booby-trapped unless we can give this phantom woman the answer she seeks. But what if the next monster is more than we can handle? Without Bram and his magic sword, I could see us becoming overwhelmed. It's a chance I have to take, says Julencio, showing the same passion Ariana saw from him when they reunited after the battle. If you are afraid, I will not hold it against you if you leave now. It is Ariana's turn to become serious. We have to rescue Bram, and I won't just let you face a monster alone. I'm staying. Just please figure this riddle out, for everyone's sake. Jalencio doesn't hesitate this time. He turns to the ghostly woman and says, Spectre, magic is beauty. Still with her vague expression, the ghost looks at Jalencio and says, Only a master of the arcane may enter. False mages are as serpents. Oh no. Immediately, Ariana retreats behind her earthen shield with her dog in tow. Jalencio does the same, as a massive, 20-foot-long, 3-foot-wide serpent materializes in the center of the square. Between its two eyes sits a shining red ruby. Jalencio screams, Ariana, don't look at it! This is a basilisk! If your eyes meet with the jewel on its forehead, it will turn you to stone! Ariana obediently averts her eyes and crouches behind her earthen shield. Oh! Jalencio shouts. Also, its venom is among the deadliest in the world. Its bite will kill a man instantly. Wonderful, mutters Ariana. Then what are we supposed to do? I'm sure I'll think of something. Frightened and unsure of what to do next, Ariana crouches behind her earthen shield and tries to listen to what the basilisk is doing. Jack sits next to her, sniffing the air. She hears a faint, scraping noise as the basilisk slithers closer, followed by a rumbling hiss. Ariana's skin crawls as she feels the serpent draw nearer to her. She hears a hissing, licking sound as the basilisk tastes the air. Out of the corner of her eye, Ariana peeks upward, just in time to see the massive serpent rear back its head to strike. Ariana shouts for Jax to run as she dives away. The basilisk lunges at Ariana, crashing into the earthen shield, which blows apart, scattering dirt and stones in all directions. Ariana scrambles to her feet and runs, as the basilisk rises to strike at her once more. A bolt of lightning arcs over Ariana's head as Jalencio tries to slow the monster down. The basilisk turns toward Jalencio, its red ruby shining brightly. Ariana sees Jalencio duck back behind his earthen shield, as she sprints away from the monster. Ariana shouts to Jalencio, We'll need to do better than that! Jalencio replies from behind his little wall, I know! I think I might have an idea! 
Just keep running for now. Way ahead of you, Ariana says as she squeezes her bow tightly and runs as fast as she can across the square. Ariana hears Jack's bark at the basilisk. A terrible feeling comes over her, and she slides to a halt and turns. She sees the basilisk facing away from her, the ruby on its forehead shining at Jack's. For a moment, the dog is growling bravely at the great serpent. The next moment, Jax has been turned to stone. Ariana shouts with rage and shoots an arrow at the back of the serpent's head. The basilisk whirls around as Ariana's arrow pokes into its neck. Ariana freezes in fear, realizing too late that she needed to look away. As Ariana realizes the ruby is shining at her, Jalencio jumps in front of her, holding something small and shining in his hand. In an instant, the massive serpent has been turned to stone. Shocked, Ariana asks Jalencio, What did you do? Jalencio grins at Ariana behind his bushy white beard. It's simple, my dear. The basilisk turns anything to stone that gazes directly into its ruby. Even itself. I simply held up this mirror here and let the monster defeat itself. Ariana feels relieved for a moment, until she remembers Jack's. She runs toward her stone dog, which is currently obscured from her view by the hulking statue of the basilisk. Ariana's view is further obscured by green fire, which completely envelops the basilisk and burns it to ashes. Ariana sees her dog at the same moment she hears him bark. Relief washes over Ariana as she discovers that her dog is alive. Soberly, Jalencio says, When a basilisk is defeated, its victims are brought back from stone. Ariana, Jax, and Jalencio sit down in the middle of the square together, saying nothing as they each drink water. Jalencio also sneaks a sip of something stronger. The wizard wipes his mouth and says, A wise man knows when to admit defeat. I am ashamed to admit that this riddle is beyond my knowledge. Ariana looks at the ground and says, Do I want to know what the next serpent would be? Jalencio responds matter-of-factly. Neither of us want to know. It could very well be a fire-breathing dragon. Ariana sighs and says, Jalencio, I think I know the answer. Jalencio looks at her expectantly, the defeat evident in his eyes. It's a mystery, Ariana says. Well, yes. Yes, it is. No, that's the answer. Magic is a mystery. It's the ultimate mystery. Jalencio's eyes widen. Before Ariana has the chance to tell him to wait, to discuss the question further, Jalencio turns around and shouts, Spectre, magic is a mystery! Ariana springs to her feet and runs away. Jax follows her. Before long, Ariana is crouching behind the low stone wall that surrounds the one-time courtyard, an arrow knocked and her bowstring drawn, the arrow aimed at the center of the square. She clenches her teeth in anticipation of fighting some massive monster, but nothing happens. Jax hops back over the wall and saunters over to Jalencio, who is now standing by the statue. Ariana is about to call her dog back, but she realizes there is no point. Her answer was correct. The ghost has disappeared, and the double doors to Vestuli's tower stand wide open. Ariana tentatively walks to Jalencio, who is petting Jax behind the ears. I'm impressed, Jalencio says. It would appear that you understand the subtleties of magic better than most. In fact, you understand better than me. You might make a great wizard one day. Ariana shrugs and smiles uncomfortably, unsure of how to respond. Together, Ariana, Jalencio, and Jax walk to the tower's entrance and step inside. 
they are greeted by a snowy white owl who looks at them with wide eyes and hoots nonchalantly. The owl sits on the balustrade of a broad spiral staircase made of freshly lacquered mahogany. The stairs spiral upward five floors, and the ceiling, five stories up, is made of glass, allowing some moonlight into the room. The rest of the entryway is mostly empty, aside from a few candles on the walls and a large painting of cliffs overlooking the ocean. There is a closed, heavy wooden door on one wall. As Ariana and Julencio hesitantly walk into the room, the owl hoots again and takes flight. The beautiful white bird flies straight up several feet before circling over their heads. Then, the bird flies toward the staircase and follows the spiral up and up. Ariana looks at Jalencio and says, I guess we should follow it? Jalencio says, Normally, it is customary for a host to greet their guests when they are invited in. But weird greetings like this are also fairly standard for wizard towers. So, Ariana, Jalencio, and Jax follow the owl and ascend the stairs. At each story, there is one closed door. After each flight of stairs, the owl awaits them. When they draw near, it flies on ahead, always heading upward. The party takes this to mean that they are meant to keep ascending, and ascend they do. Eventually, they reach the fifth floor. The owl hoots at them from the balustrade before flying out of the first window Ariana has seen since entering the tower. Aside from the window, there is one more wooden door. This one is also closed. Jalencio pants tired after climbing the stairs. He says, All right, this must be it. After catching his breath, the wizard knocks on the door, which swings inward without a sound. Inside, Ariana sees a large, dimly lit room. The only light sources are a single candle on a table near the center of the room and the moonlight, which enters from the room's entirely glass ceiling. The room is full of tables that are covered with books, maps, quills, and glassware. Many of the oddly shaped glass bottles are full of liquid of various colors. Two or three glow with their own light, and one appears to be at a boil. At the opposite end of the room is a high-backed chair before an impressive-looking desk. In the middle of the room, near the candle, is the figure of a man facing away from them, hunched over a pile of parchments. Ah, hello, the man says as Ariana steps into the room. Please excuse the lack of lighting. This is no way to greet guests. The man claps his hands and, suddenly, a hundred candles light up, illuminating the room entirely. Next, the man raises his hands and spreads them to either side. The tables scattered around rise from the ground a few inches before gliding softly toward the walls. The books begin filing onto shelves on their own as the oddly shaped bottles and glassware efficiently pour their own contents into an iron receptacle. The man turns around and Ariana stifles a gasp. He is the most handsome man Ariana has ever seen. She is even more surprised to see how young he looks. The man, who Ariana assumes is Vestuli, looks to be in his mid-twenties, with blonde hair and blue eyes. He's the first man over the age of 16 Ariana has seen with no facial hair, giving him an oddly effeminate look. Ariana's suspicions are confirmed, as the beautiful man steps toward the party and says, Greetings, my name is Vestuli. Welcome to my home. Jalencio bows and forms a strange sign with his hands. Master Vestuli the Wise, Jalencio says, it is an honor to be in your presence. Vestuli ignores Jalencio and addresses Ariana. To what do I owe the honor of a visit from such a lovely woman? Vestuli takes her right hand in his and kisses it. Ariana blushes in spite of herself. She manages to say, we come to ask for your help. 
Astuli smiles at her and says, And I take it you were the one who knew my password? Ariana smiles shyly and nods. I'm impressed, Astuli says. Here you are, a young woman with absolutely no knowledge of magic, yet you seem to understand it better than this wizened geezer. He gestures with his thumb at Jalencio. Ariana smiles uncomfortably, at a loss for words. Out of the corner of her eye, she sees Jalencio's face grow red. Vestuli turns to Jax and reaches out to pet him. Ah, and what have we here? The lady's familiar? Vestuli scratches behind the dog's ears, and Jax wags his tail with delight. Master Vestuli, Jalencio says, after regaining his composure, my companion and I have come here to humbly ask for your assistance. A member of our party was captured by Awave's army after the battle at Pink Beach. In one motion, Vestuli beckons with a finger to one side and sits down, on a chair that zooms across the room until it is right behind the handsome wizard. Vestuli sits back and crosses his legs, before snapping his fingers and procuring a green apple from thin air. He takes a hearty bite out of the apple before commenting, Tough break. Jalencio appears to struggle to regain his composure once more. Master, we humbly ask your assistance in releasing him from his imprisonment. Vestuli looks at Jalencio and says, and why should I help you? He takes another bite from the apple. Master, our friend Bram possesses a magic sword, capable of closing monster portals. He and I, along with Ariana here and another currently missing man named Galfons, have been on a quest. We are traveling across Losalia, closing monster portals as we go to keep the people safe. We are on our way to visit you, to seek wisdom about the portals, and determine if there is a better way to accomplish our quest. Hmm. You sound like real heroes. And what of this other missing man, Galfons? You seem to be forgetting all about him. Jalencio stutters, trying to think of something to say. Ariana hangs her head, feeling ashamed that they haven't put any effort into finding Galfons yet. Yes, he had been in the inn with Jax before the battle, and the inn had burned down. However, Jax made it out, though it is possible that Galfons could have as well. But with the Awave army's occupation of Pink Beach... There's no telling what would have happened to Galfons if he stayed in the town. And after receiving the bite from a werewolf, it's doubtful that he could have made it far. Vestuli chuckles and tosses his half-eaten apple aside. I'm jesting. Of course the one with the magic sword is most important. Come, let us go to Pink Beach. You can give me the rest of the details later. An hour later, Ariana, Jalencio, Jax, and Vestuli are at the entrance of Pink Beach. The waning moon is high in the sky, illuminating the road that leads in and out of the little vacation town. Two torches are also flanking the town's entrance, as are two tall knights in full armor. Thus far, Ariana has been utterly impressed by Vestuli's grace and vigor. He is constantly brilliant and thoughtful, but he manages to make people he speaks with feel as though they are longtime friends. Except for Jalencio, that is. The red-robed wizard has been acting meek and complacent, ever since they came into Vestuli's presence. Ariana remembers that Vestuli had made a comment about it being disgraceful that a Losalian wizard wouldn't know the motto of the Losalian Academy of Magic. Magic is the ultimate mystery. Ariana supposes it is possible that Vestuli is friendly with most people, but hard on fellow wizards. At the moment, Vestuli is jesting with one of the knights guarding Pink Beach, while the other has gone to fetch their commanding officer. After another minute or so, the officer returns, looking suspicious of the newcomers. One mere remark later, however, and the officer is clapping Vestuli on the back and telling him that he and his companions 
are welcome to stay as long as they like. The officer, who introduces himself as Sir Lona, personally escorts the party to the prison camp. Ironically, Ariana recognizes the site of the prison camp as the same place that Princess Castine had chosen to erect her pavilion. Along the way, Ariana hears Sir Lona freely discussing Oave troop movements and strategies for upcoming battles. Ariana knows that she is new to the workings of armies and warfare, but to her this sounds like information that should be kept from civilians of the enemy nation. When they arrive at the prison camp, Ariana gives Sir Lona Bram's name and description. The officer asks the party to wait just outside the cluster of makeshift cages, as he goes to inquire with the army warden's lieutenant on night duty. Ariana peers into the nearest cage, and has difficulty making out its interior due to the shadows cast by the moon. She hears more than she sees, a chorus of moaning and rattling chains, indicating that the captives within are chained to the floor or ceiling of their cells, and many of them are wounded. After another uncomfortable two minutes of listening to the sounds of a prisoner of war camp, Sir Lona and the army warden himself, General Reeves, arrive, accompanied by a wizard in a pointed hat. Again, the warden looks suspicious of the party. This time, however, the wizard accompanying him appears to recognize Vestuli. The wizard removes his hat to reveal an expanding bald spot and bows low, saying, Master Vestuli, it is an honor to be in the presence of one so great. I am Vernon Kana of the Oave Spell Corps. If there's anything you need of me, you need only ask. What's all this about? Who's this? The warden asks his wizard, evidently caught off guard by the show of reverence. Vernon Kana rises and says, This is Master Vestuli Hecate, former headmaster of the Losalian Academy of Magic and foremost expert on the subject of high magic. You are too kind, Vernon, Vestuli responds. General Reeves narrows his eyes and says, that's all very impressive. What does that have to do with one of my prisoners? General, Vestuli begins, making a show of respect by bowing slightly. My companions here believe that you have a man in your custody who does not belong in a cell. You see, he is a member of a group that I have sent on a quest for the good of the world. He did not mean to be caught up in the war, and I believe he was unjustly forced into the service of the Losalian army. He is no soldier after all. The warden looks at Vestuli and says, I do not release prisoners of war unless they are to be executed, or I receive orders from the royal family of Owave. I'm sorry about your friend, but if you want him released, you'll need to board a boat to Hanala, the Crescent Island. The wizard Vernon Kana says, General, this is a different circumstance entirely. The word of a master wizard like Vestuli can be trusted. I'd stake my life on it. The warden frowns and looks at his wizard. I don't recall giving you leave to speak freely, Spellbender. I'm the warden of this military prison, not you. One more insubordinate comment like that and I'll have you flogged. I don't care if you can turn princes to frogs. Vernon Kana looks torn, but in the end he bows toward the warden and apologizes for insubordination. Perhaps we got off on the wrong foot, Vestuli says. Why don't you and me speak in private, my dear warden? I'm sure we can come to some sort of arrangement. The warden eyes the handsome wizard suspiciously, but says, Very well. Come, my quarters are this way. So, Vestuli and the warden separate from the rest of the group, circumventing the dark cages. Just before they disappear around a bend, Ariana would swear that she saw Vestuli snap his fingers and procure mugs of ale from thin air. 
When the pair are out of sight, Vernon Connor looks at Jalencio enviously and says, Wow, how did you come to work for him? What an honor. Jalencio lifts his chin and says, Well, we're more of partners, actually. Ariana rolls her eyes and crouches down to pet Jax. She tunes out the wizard's conversation as they wait for Vestulian General Reeves to return, contenting herself with running through tricks with Jax. Ten minutes later, Vestuli and the Warden round the bend, laughing and carrying on like longtime friends. The Warden is carrying a lantern and spinning a ring of keys around his index finger. When they draw close, Ariana notices that the Warden's cheeks are a bright shade of red. When they rejoin the group, General Reeves says, between chuckles, I apologize for such a display before. Come right this way, and tell me which captive is your friend. The Warden leads the way down the long rows of cages. Ariana peers into each one, silently praying to any god who might be listening that Bram will be in the next cage. She keeps an eye out for Galfons as well. What she does see shocks her. Each cage carries about a half dozen members of the Lasallian army. All have been stripped of their weapons and armor, and some wear only bits of clothing. Most have suffered some wound or other. Ariana sees more missing limbs than she would ever care to see. One in every five prisoners appear to be already dead. After Ariana passes one cage that is entirely full of dead men, she hears a voice say, Hey, Ariana, is that you? Ariana whirls around and peers inside the cage. She realizes that what she thought to be a cage of six dead men is actually a cage of five dead men and one very dirty man. Upon closer inspection, Ariana realizes that the dirty man is none other than her friend Bram rattling his chains and looking through the bars at her. Ariana almost kisses him right then and there, but she refrains. Instead, she calls out to the others to come back. A couple minutes later, Bram is rubbing his wrists and ankles outside his cage. What of Galfons? Jalencio asks him. Bram shakes his head. He's not here. I was one of the first to be locked up, and I saw every man they brought in. If Galfons had been taken prisoner, I'd know about it. Ariana and Jalencio hang their heads in disappointment, feeling bittersweet that they were able to find one member of their party but not the other. There is a brief discussion between Vestuli and General Reeves, who asks the wizard Vernon Kana to lead the prisoner to the confiscated weapons and equipment. Ariana holds Bram up by the shoulders and guides him to the armory, following the Oave wizard's lead. On the way, Vestuli introduces himself to Bram, who thanks the wizard for coming to free him. It takes far longer than Ariana would have liked for Bram to find his magic sword amongst the piles and piles of weapons taken from the battlefield. But in the end, Bram finds it, glowing beneath a blood-splattered shield. He also pulls out another weapon, a long battle axe, its wooden handle charred and blackened from flames. Ariana, Bram, and Jalencio look at each other. They all know it's Galfons' weapon. Vernon Kana permits them to take the axe as well making another comment of reverence to Vestuli. Then, the Oave wizard escorts the party to Pink Beach's entrance, where they take their leave. Finally, when the party is out of earshot of the knights guarding the town's entrance, Ariana and Bram drop behind Jalencio and Vestuli to talk. Ariana wants to discuss Galfons, to give Bram some modicum of hope that his friend might be alive somewhere. But she can't figure out the best way to bring it up. Instead, she says, I'm so glad you're alive. When Oave charged, I thought there was no way you would make it out. Thanks for the vote of confidence, Bram says, smiling. Ariana blushes. You know that's not what I meant. I know, he says. 
I thought the same thing. I was stuck, with nowhere to run and too many people to fight. To be honest, I was lucky that they chose to take me prisoner in the end. The warriors could have just as easily decided to cut me down. It was not luck that saved you, Bestuli, who is now standing behind Bram and Ariana, interrupts. It was fate. What do you mean? Bram asks, startled by the wizard's sudden appearance. Bestuli simply smiles. In my tower. I'll explain further once we get there. For now, I suggest we keep the chit-chat to a minimum. He lowers his voice. Oave's spies are everywhere. Bram and Ariana nod with understanding and change the subject to the state of Bram's clothes. It is decided that, once they reach Vestuli's tower, Bram will have a bath and a hot meal. Then, Vestuli says, we will discuss fate. Two hours and a chicken dinner later, and Ariana finds herself in Vestuli's penthouse laboratory once more. This time, Vestuli is sitting at his high-backed wooden chair, giving our heroes some much-needed information. Ariana, Bram, Jalencio and even Jax, listen attentively. You must have many questions, Vestoli begins. Let me dispense some truths first, and then you may begin the questioning. The group nods, and Jax scratches his ear. Bram, you must know by now that your sword is special. The way you say it called to you in the cave, it is clear that the sword chose you for a purpose. As Julencio said, this is one of the magic swords of old. For lack of a better expression, they don't make them like they used to. May I see the sword, Bram? Bram steps forward and hands his sword over to the handsome wizard. Thank you. Now, legend tells that the ancient swords had pretty specific criteria for who could wield them. For the most part, they were designed to only be wielded by the pure of heart, so their magic could not be used for evil. You've told me that this sword is effective against monsters and that it closes portals, but that is only half of it. Yes, the sword slays monsters with ease, but it also slays evil. Period. That means that it will be effective against evil in all forms. Spells, weapons, buildings, even people. Ariana's eyes widen in surprise. She never would have guessed that Bram's sword could do so much. Vestuli continues, turning the sword in his hands and raising it in front of his eyes. But still, that is not all. This sword is a key. It is a key to another dimension, another world, another reality. By the expressions on your faces, I can tell that you do not know what I'm talking about. Suffice to say, the monster portals you have been closing do not lead to another part of our world. They lead to another place entirely. One that can only be accessed through the portals themselves. We wizards of high magic have taken to calling it the other side. Admittedly, better names have been proposed, but it has been an utter waste of time trying to get so many old men to decide on a name when they all think they discovered it. But I digress. You see, the other side is separated from our world by a barrier, a veil, so to speak. This sword can seal tears in the veil, but it can also open them. With this sword, one could bring forth all manner of creatures to our world, and one could even cross over. Ariana feels the beginnings of a headache coming on. All this talk of other worlds is very confusing. Why would someone want to cross over? Bram asks. For knowledge, of course. We wizards study all facets of our world. Eventually, 
there will be nothing left to discover. That is why a new world is so fascinating. Just picture it. New physics, new culture, new creatures, new ecosystems, new physics, new colors, not to mention new magic. Valencio speaks up. That sounds most intriguing, Master Vestuli, but that is not why my companions and I have come to you. We would like your help with sealing the monster portals to protect Losalia. Vestuli stands and looks at Jalencio with disdain. Whatever you thought your reasons were, novice, know that they have changed. From this moment forward, your purpose is to assist me with my research as we open the door to a new world. To that end, I demand your fealty. Bram steps forward. Wouldn't that endanger Losalia further? We would be opening doors to a dangerous world and allowing the other portals around the world to sprout monsters unhindered. Vestuli turns to Bram. And? Ariana speaks up for him. Vestuli, we set out on this quest to protect people. Your plan doesn't sound like it would protect anybody. Vestuli turns away from the party and looks upward, gazing through the laboratory's glass ceiling toward the stars. You people are so small-minded. How typical of Losalian peasants. What could any of you know of the cosmos, of the stars, of the gods? You're all so content to live meaningless, small lives. Even you so-called adventurers, you heroes, all you do is slay a few dragons here and there, prolonging the lives of townsfolk by a few years. You never stop to think of what the dragon could teach you, of the secrets buried in its immortal heart. Ariana's heart starts to beat faster. She isn't sure why. Bram, Vestuli says, without turning around, I'm going to need to borrow your sword for a while. Rest assured that I will be putting it to good use. Ariana watches Bram's face turn from confused to determined. His eyes narrow on Vestuli's back. Bram steps toward the wizard and says, If you won't help us, we will have to look for help elsewhere. Closing one portal at a time is better than doing nothing. Vestuli laughs, sending a chill up Ariana's spine. Where will you go? There are monsters everywhere in Losalia, and now there's a war on. If an ogre or a harpy doesn't kill you, Oave will. Or I suppose you could join the princess's army again. That went well last time. You won't make it one month. Bram clenches his teeth. I'll take my chances, sir. At last, Vestuli turns around, flashing his handsome smile. Bram, Bram, this is going all wrong. I haven't yet made you my offer. Bram eyes the wizard and asks, And what is that? As I said before, this sword shows you. You're the only one who can awaken its true power. You can count me out, Bram says, making a grab for his sword. Vestuli steps to the side and says, Now, now, don't be so rash. If you won't help me willingly, I can always extract your soul. Ariana's eyes go wide with fear as Vestuli puts a hand on Bram's chest. Bram starts to scream, and his eyes and mouth start to glow with a white light. Ah, Vestuli says, I feel the magic ring on your finger. That might make this more painful. Valencio has a fireball in his hand. Vestuli turns to him and says, Mm-mm-mm. Suddenly, the fire from Jalencio's hand sprouts flaming tendrils, which coil themselves around Jalencio's body. The red-robed wizard shouts once, looking at Ariana pleadingly for just a moment, and then he is engulfed in flame. Within a second, Jalencio has been reduced to blackened bones, 
and these quickly turn to ash. Ariana's body flushes with anger. Her bow is already strung in her hand. In a flash, she fires an arrow to ten feet from her to Vestuli. Surprisingly, the arrow pierces Vestuli's shoulder. Vestuli calls out in frustration and pulls his hand away from Bram. Bram's eyes and mouth stop glowing at once. In one fluid motion, Bram pulls Galfon's charred axe from his back and swings it into Vestuli's side, burying the bit into his ribs. Vestuli gasps and falls back as Bram yanks the heavy battle axe from Vestuli's side. Ariana draws another arrow from her quiver and shoots it into Vestuli's chest, aiming for his heart. The wizard recoils and falls into his high-backed chair, bleeding from three wounds. Somehow, he still holds Bram's sword. Trembling, Ariana steps toward Bram, realizing the weight of what just happened. Jalencio is dead, and they have retaliated by murdering a master wizard. Ariana is surprised when Jax growls. She looks at her dog, confused as to who he would be growling at now. That's when she sees Vestuli rise again. This time, his face looks pale, as white as a dead man's. Vestuli flashes a smile at Ariana and Bram. The same smile that was once so handsome. Now, his smile reveals rows of pointed teeth, complete with a set of long white fangs. Jax whimpers. Now. Vestuli hisses, my patience has run out. Boy, your soul will now be my dinner. Ariana's legs are trembling worse than ever. She feels Bram grab her hand and yell, run! Ariana listens, and Jax follows. Ariana and Bram run as fast as they can, as the laboratory around them comes alive. Books fly off shelves, tables scrape the ground, and chairs whirl through the air like leaves. Bram knocks away a chair with Galfon's axe as Ariana slides under a hurtling table. Jax's snout is momentarily covered by a large tome until he shakes it off. When they reach the door to the laboratory, a black mist appears in front of them. In a second, the mist materializes into Vestuli, who no longer holds Bram's sword. His fangs are still bared. Where's my sword? Bram demands. It is now mine, Vestuli says menacingly. As will you. Now, hold still. Ariana shoots Vestuli in the chest with an arrow once more, but the pale-faced wizard doesn't even flinch. He moves forward with blinding speed and puts a hand to Bram's chest. Bram screams again and drops to his knees. Ariana lowers a shoulder into Vestuli and pushes with all her might, but she feels like she's slammed into a brick wall. Jax bites Vestuli's leg, but still, the wizard doesn't flinch. Instead, Vestuli laughs. Ha ha ha. You do not know how long I have waited for this moment. For five hundred years I have waited for a magic sword to choose a new master. All the time, pretending to be one of you. Pretending to be a pathetic human. Ariana tries yet another arrow, but there is still no response from the pale-faced man. She sees something start to pull away from Bram's body. A white light begins to exit through his mouth and float towards Vestuli. Bram's screaming stops. Vestuli's eyes go wide with delight. At last. Then, something strange happens. Vestuli gasps and cries out in pain. He dissolves into a black mist before filtering out through the door behind him. Standing where Vestuli had been mere moments ago is a husky man with a bushy black beard. He wears just a short-sleeved tunic over his torso, exposing his strong arms. Ariana notices an interesting scar that traces from the back of his right wrist to the shoulder. 
In that hand, he holds a gleaming dagger, which shines like silver in the moonlight. Elliot, she exclaims. Elliot Hill steps forward and pulls Bram to his feet. Come on, buddy. Get up. Bram looks like someone who hasn't slept in four days was just woken after a five-minute catnap. Nevertheless, he rises, steadying himself with Galfons's axe. Elliot looks at Ariana and says, Where is Galfons? Valencio. Ariana shakes her head, unable to form the words. Elliot's eyes set and he says, Well, we are still here. If we can hurry, we can make it out of the tower before he heals. Heals? Ariana asks. What does that mean? Elliot turns toward the door and shouts, He's a vampire, all right? I'll explain later. Just follow me. Ariana takes hold of Bram's left arm and leads him toward the door. Bram stumbles, but manages to trot forward. Jax follows closely behind Elliot. Inside the tower proper, the spiral staircase appears unchanged. However, the walls lining the staircase are dotted with something terrifying. Glowing purple ovals. Come on! Elliot calls to Ariana as he sees her staring at the rings. Ariana nods, and the party begins making their way down the staircase. After they've made it to the fourth floor, something begins crawling out of the nearest purple ring ahead of them. It has claws, long and sharp, attached to what appear to be deformed human hands. The creature is a dull red color, and as it pulls its head through the portal, Ariana sees little horns on its deformed head, followed by a little body with little wings on its back. Elliot grits his teeth, before dashing forward and swinging his sword at the monster, before it can pull itself through the portal. The creature's head thumps to the floor, and the body falls back into the portal. Ariana doesn't stare this time. She pulls Bram's hand, running down the stairs two at a time behind Elliot. What was that? she calls out. An imp, Elliot shouts back. A lowly demon. If we take much longer, we'll see much worse than that. The next second, Ariana hears a roar from above. She looks up in time to see a minotaur leaping through the air toward them, flying through the air across the staircase from two stories up. She pulls Bram, diving forward down the stairs. They roll painfully across the wooden staircase, as Elliot Hill also dodges the monster. The minotaur crashes into the railing of the staircase, smashing balustrades and a section of the stairs themselves with its weight. The minotaur crashes through the stairs and lands one floor down before tumbling to the next flight. Ariana and Bram pick themselves up as best they can after rolling themselves down the stairs. By this point, the tower is in chaos. Monsters of all sorts are everywhere. The stairs one floor above catch fire, and the open air in the middle of the staircase is filling with harpies, imps, and weird flying lizards. Forget them! Just run! Elliot shouts as he barrels past Ariana and Bram and engages the Minotaur one floor below. As Ariana turns onto the second floor, she sees Elliot freeze the Minotaur's legs before kicking it over the railing. The half-man, half-bull flips through the air, and lands awkwardly on its head. At last, the party comes to the ground floor. There, standing in front of the closed door, is Vestuli, flanked on either side by dragons, the same kind of venom-spewing serpents that Julencio and Ariana fought to enter the tower. You have all made valiant efforts, Vestuli says, and your bravery is undeniable. But you, he points at Elliot, you betrayed me, wolfman. I charged you with a simple task of bringing Bram to me. And now you try to help him escape? From me? The curse of the wolf must have affected your mind for you to become so stupid. Wolfman? 
Ariana asks. What's he talking about? I'll explain later, Elliot says, entering a fighting stance with his sword and drawing the gleaming dagger once more. Astuli puts a hand out to either side to calm the drakens. The harpies and imps flying just above the party flap in place as well. What's to explain? Bastuli says, mockingly. And where would you like to start? Would you start with how you were once a vampire hunter? Or that you were bitten by a werewolf? Or that you offered to serve me in exchange for the cure I hold? Ariana looks at Elliot, shocked. That night after the forest, the werewolf who attacked us, that was you. You bit Galphons. Elliot looks at Ariana pleadingly. I had no choice. I can't control the change. Bastuli smiles, baring his fangs. Or would you like to start with how you killed Ariana's parents? Ariana looks at Elliot again. She feels too many emotions at once. Her stomach feels like it dropped out of her, and she feels herself grow dizzy. At the same time, she feels hot anger course through her body. Now you've gone too far, Elliot growls. He pulls something from a pocket and rubs it. Ariana realizes that it is an orb which glows with a pale light. Bastuli's eyes narrow. So, you kept the moonstone. Elliot steps toward Bastuli and his drakens, holding the moonstone high. Ariana, Bram, run! His last word is changed from an audible word into a roar, as Elliot begins to transform. At first, he grows. Then his limbs change shape. His fingernails grow into thick, sharp claws. Silver-gray fur sprouts from all over his body, and his face changes into the mouth, ears, and eyes of a wolf. Ariana pulls both Bram and Jax away from the wolf slowly. Elliot Hill, the werewolf, howls. It circles Vestuli for just a few steps before pouncing. Vestuli chuckles and transforms into a hundred little bats. The dragons bite at the werewolf's fur as the wolf rips the nearest bat in half with its fangs. Bats have filled the air, blocking most of the light. Sensing the painful bite of the drakens, Elliot the wolf slams a claw into one of the drakens and hurls it at the closed front door. The draken dies as the door flies open. Moonlight pours in from the open exit. This time, it is Bram's turn to pull Ariana. That's our chance, he says. Together, Ariana, Bram, and Jax run for the door. Bats are all around, as the werewolf flails about in a rage, pummeling bats, drakens, and imps left and right. Ariana slaps a bat out of her way as they reach the tower's threshold. Bats begin to pour from the entrance, but they hear another crash, and the werewolf destroys the tower's doorframe. The bats on the outside flap like crazy toward the blocked entrance but they are unable to get back in. And, for now, nothing inside can get out. Ariana and Bram run, with Jax padding alongside. The cool night air rushes past, wiping the tears from Ariana's eyes. Too much has happened in the last week. Her country has been invaded, two of her friends are dead, and another friend is the one who killed her parents. It's too much. When they reach some wooded country... Nearly three miles inland from Vestuli's tower, Ariana lays down behind a tree and weeps. Jax curls up next to her, and Bram puts a hand on her shoulder. He wants to comfort her, 
when he is having trouble controlling the tears in his own eyes. Well, that's all for this week. Thank you to Chris Delaney for the theme music and Kelly Stoll for the editing. And of course, I want to thank all of you out there for listening, submitting your votes, and being patient while we put together this long episode. Here are the voting results after the last episode. Rescuing Bram alone took 40% of the votes, and asking Vestuli for help took 60%. After everything that happened this episode, Bram and Ariana need a place to hide out. Where they go is up to you. Will they hide out with a skilled armorer, who was a friend of Ariana's father? Or will they hide out in a fabled fairy forest, a place Bram knows of from legend? To summarize, the choice is between hiding out with an armorer and hiding out with fairies. If you want to submit a vote for the next episode, send an email to whatnextpod at gmail.com or leave a comment on our Instagram post at whatnextpodcast. And we'll be sure to post a story with a poll as well. Voting will close Wednesday, November 7 at 10 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. So don't hesitate to submit your vote. If you'd like to leave a review, Apple Podcasts is the best place. Thank you again for listening. I look forward to seeing what you want to happen next. Thank you.